Among Eastern Rite Catholics and Orthodox Christians, there is a strong tradition of the use of holy icons. The icon, usually written for the resurrection, is particularly striking and dramatic. The usual depiction has the risen Christ standing over a black abyss which represents death and hell. Beneath his feet are broken chains and broken doors, and he stands over all of that with his hands outstretched, and in each of his hands he holds the wrist of Adam and Eve, whom he is drawing out of their tombs. He holds them by the wrists as a sign that they have a pulse, they are alive again, and will now live forever with Christ in glory, for he has overcome death and sin and hell. He is the risen Lord of all creation, and he holds in his hands the first humans who were gifted into their hands dominion and lordship in God's name over all creation. But through their sin, they gave it all into the power of the devil. So the whole world had fallen into the hands of the devil. But now the risen Christ has overturned all of that. Hence, the broken chains beneath his feet and the broken gates of hell too. I thought of that icon when I read what the opening prayer of today's Mass was going to be. O God, who in the abasement of your Son, abasement meaning his lowering of himself, O God, who in the abasement of your Son have raised up a fallen world, fill your faithful with holy joy. For on those you have rescued from slavery to sin, you bestow eternal gladness. St. Paul tells us in one of his letters that the wages of sin is death, or the price we pay for sin is death. And through their sin, our first parents, Adam and Eve, sold us all into the slavery to sin, with the consequent arrival of death on the scene, none of which was God's original intention. Jesus, the Son of God, second person of the Trinity, dwells forever in the most high place. But for love of us, he is sent by the Father to the most low place, right into death to rescue those already fallen or still falling into sin and its accompanying price of death. There is in the coming of Jesus Christ this wondrous movement whereby he comes from the heights of heaven to go into the depths of the earth, seeking out the lost, the broken, the rebellious, and the wounded. He comes down to us and makes this wondrous exchange. Here, you take my mercy, now give me your misery, your deepest misery, your sins. I take your human nature so that you can partake and share in my divine nature. He rescues us so as to bring us to heaven. No wonder the opening prayer of the Mass speaks of a holy joy. It is the joy of salvation, of being rescued from sin and death by the Holy Lord of life, Jesus. That holy joy was first experienced by the disciples, the 72 who, we're told, came back rejoicing that when they used the name of Jesus in their ministry, demons fled in fear and trembling. 
the evil one was called by Jesus in the Gospels the prince of this world, for he had dominion over it because it was given to him through the sin of Adam and Eve. And he ruled tyrannically, using the lure of temptation and sin and the fear of death to lord it over all humanity. These disciples now saw firsthand that the devil was losing his grip on things with the arrival of Jesus. His presence in the flesh changed everything, so much so that even just his name drove the evil one and his legions out. Jesus, he is our Redeemer, our Rescuer, the one who guards and saves our souls. Summer is upon us in these days. All those involved in water safety make it very clear that if we are going to go to the beach to swim, we should try to go to beaches where there are lifeguards posted. And if you go to those beaches, you will see two flags set up along the beach. If you stay within those flags, you will be under the watchful eyes of the lifeguard, and you will be out of harm's way because there are no dangerous undercurrents in the area marked off by those flags. Outside of those flags, however, beyond them, things are a different story. There can be dangerous currents that could catch a person off guard and quickly drag them out into deep water where they might well end up drowning. Now, no one is forced to stay within the flags, but they would be well advised to stay within their confines. Beyond the flags, they place themselves beyond the sight of the lifeguard and outside of safe waters. Outside of the flags, they put themselves in the way of hidden danger. Spiritually, we have a lifeguard, a rescuer, a redeemer, the Lord Jesus. Because of original sin, we are all born into a strong and deadly current. But through our baptism, Christ has drawn us out of that and placed us on a safe shore. Through his church, he has instructed us on how to remain safe and shown us the spiritual flags beyond which we should not go. But there is still something in us that is drawn to go beyond those markers, beyond the safety of Christ's watchful care. And then we sin, and can easily get trapped in a current of sin, which threatens to drag us far away from the Lord. And as someone in water drowns when the water gets inside them, so a soul that drifts in its sin can let that sin get inside it, and the life of God's grace dies in it. Our heavenly rescuer sees way beyond the flags. He never takes his eyes off us, and as soon as we get into difficulty, he is more than willing to come to our aid. He's not afraid to dive into that current of sin, and because he himself doesn't have any sin in him, he is stronger than that current. He is able to swim against it, all the while holding us firmly in his grip, dragging us back safely to shore. And for those who have drifted far for so very long, not even they are beyond his reach. Even should they have sunk to the bottom, dragged under by their sin, he's not afraid to go under with them, 
bring them up and on to shore too, and then resuscitate them from their spiritual death. To stay within the flags in a spiritual sense is to live the Christian life, a decent prayer life, a good sacramental life, following the commandments, trying to live honestly and uprightly by the grace of God. To go beyond those markers, to ignore them at our peril, is to move into sin and its slavery and the accompanying danger of the spiritual death of our souls. For that, the Lord has a remedy. He comes to rescue us through the sacrament of confession, where we call out to the Lord from the particular current of sin we've been caught up in, and we allow him to come rescue us yet again. The good news is that you are never too far away from the Lord, never sunk so low, nor have you sinned so much that Jesus cannot get to you and won't come seeking you. The only ones who can't be rescued are those who don't want to be rescued, those who don't feel the need to be rescued, who are quite happy to be swept out to the sea by their sin, quite content to drown in those sins. Jesus came for them too, but though he reaches out his hand to rescue them, they refuse to take hold of their Saviour. But all others, let them know this exceedingly good news, that there is more mercy in Christ than there is sin in all of us. He has come a long way from the holy heights of glory to meet you and me in our deepest, darkest, messy sins, rescuing us from the kingdom of darkness and bringing us safely into his kingdom of light. Each day he calls out to us when we sin, Here, take my hand, follow me. You no longer have to be held a slave by your past. Let me lead you to true happiness and eventually to eternal gladness.